0: Last night, I went to a Robbie Burns dinner. And if you have no idea who Robbie Burns is, it means you have no Scottish blood in you. Neither do I, but I have a friend who invites me to come every year to a Robert Burns dinner, where it's a bunch of men, except for the Lieutenant Governor. She's the only woman in the room. They all get dressed up. It's formal attire. You either see tuxedos or men in kilts. And they get together. Drink Scotch, have a good meal, Scottish flags are hanging from the rafters, we eat haggis, it's not as bad as everybody makes it out to be, I quite enjoy it. That there are bagpipes that play, and there is a toast to Robert Burns, who for them kind of embodies kind of the greatest parts of Scotland. And these Robert Burns clubs exist all over the world wherever Scotsmen are. And it's their way of staying connected back to their homeland in Scotland or to their history and heritage all the way back in Scotland. And they do this every year on the birthday of Robert Burns that this year they even invited a man from Scotland to come and to give the toast to Robert Burns. Staying connected to that heritage, that tradition, that culture, that land that they hold dear. Ezra kind of does the same thing in our first reading today. What's happening with Ezra and Nehemiah is that this is after the exile. So the Jews were exiled to Babylon. They no longer had the temple, they no longer had their place of offering sacrifice to God. And after many, many years in exile, they finally were given the permission to go back to Jerusalem. And they go back to Jerusalem and they find everything in ruins. The temple is just a shadow of what it once was. And so they begin the work of trying to rebuild everything, but something's still missing. And so that's when Ezra stands up and reads them the law, the Ten Commandments, the law given by God that was the foundation of their lives as Jews. And in that, it brings Tears to their eyes, they're struck by this gift that is returned back to them, their connection back to God through the commandments, through the temple. They're reconnected to God fully after being exiled for so long. We hear the same thing in this image that St. Paul gives us in our second reading of the body, that the body is connected one to the other. One member can't exist separated from the rest, that every member of the body is connected to the head, who is Christ. And the moment any member of the body becomes disconnected from the head, it dies. We see the same thing with Jesus, that Jesus, for the first time in his hometown, stands up to proclaim to everybody that he grew up with who he is. And how does he do that? He reads the prophecy of the prophet Isaiah. He connects himself and who he is to the prophecy that comes from the Old Testament, the promise of God for a Messiah. And Luke does it. In that introduction that we heard in the Gospel, Luke says, listen to what I have to say, Theophilus. This was passed down to me, and I now pass down this good news to you. That through Theophilus and his connection to Luke, who's connected to Paul, who's connected to Christ, they're connected. Because the word religion means to be tied, to be bound to something. That's the origin of the word religion. And so what are we bound to? What are we connected to? What are we tying ourselves to in our life? One concrete way that this still exists in our Catholic tradition is ordination to holy orders, that our belief and our tradition is that from the time of Christ, when a priest or a bishop has hands laid on them, there is a connection of laying hands from that man all the way back to Christ, who first laid hands on the apostles, ordaining them priests that the connection exists all the way back, because we have a need to be tied to something. We have a need to be bound to something. That's why we have religion. It ties us to something. But I think in our society there's some skepticism towards the idea of being tied to something, bound to something. We usually hear it being tied down. Don't want to be tied down to anything. There's one saying, I don't know if they still use it because I'm getting old compared to young. I know I'm not old, but I'm getting old compared to some. But you do you was a big thing, and every time I hear that, it makes me cringe. The idea, you just do what you think is good for you. That you can decide everything in your life that's going to be beneficial to you. Or sometimes you hear it when people say, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Well, what I hear in that is, I'm looking for God, but I'm not willing to tie myself to anything that's going to help me find God. I need to find God my own way. And they get caught in this spiritual but not religious because they don't want to be tied to anything. Or in the growing concern of people just choosing not to be married. That they say, well, we love each other, Isn't that enough? That they don't feel the need to make this public profession of their love for each other. But it's avoiding being bound together. It's avoiding making concrete and real that commitment to one another. There's this skepticism towards being tied to anything, and there's good reason for that. People have tied themselves to the wrong thing and have been hurt by it. But part of us needs to be tied to something. It's what gives us our anchor. It's what gives us our identity, our stability in life. And if we're not tied to anything, then we're a leaf in the wind. Or we're a bird floating on the ocean, wherever the waves take us. That we have to determine everything for ourselves because we're not tied to anything that gives us meaning and stability. Our religion offers us that. But we can ask ourselves, what am I bound to in my life? What kind of things, experiences, people do I tie myself to? What am I dependent on? Maybe it's something material. Maybe it's, for some, our phones. We know that we're tied to that more than we should be. Maybe it's a substance in our life. Maybe alcohol has too big of a place in our life that we're dependent on it to relax. Maybe we're too tied to a memory that that memory of that painful experience still continues to affect the way that we live now. Maybe we're tied to an emotion that we're so bound up by the effect that that emotion has in our life that we don't feel free. Or maybe we're tied to something good, but we're so tied to that good thing, there's no place left to be tied to God. What are we bound to? Because the reality is we shouldn't be bound to much in life. There should be very little that we bind ourselves to. Because, ultimately, we need to be free to be tied to God. Other ties, other connections that we have in our life are only good insofar as they allow us to be bound to God. So what are you tied up with? What are you bound to in your life? And are you working towards freeing yourself from that so that you have the freedom to tie yourself to God? That's ultimately why we're here every Sunday. It's our religion. We're saying by our religion, our profession of faith, that I desire to be bound to God. So is there anything else in our life, anything else that we're bound to that's keeping, preventing us from really being tied to God? That's the question. Because with Ezra, tie back to the law with Jesus tied back to the prophets, with Luke tied back to Paul and the apostles. We need that because it's where we find our meaning. It's where we find our purpose. It's where we find our identity. It's what gives us stability in a life that's constantly changing. When we're bound to the best, when we're bound to God, we have all those things. If we're bound to other things, then we struggle. What's keeping you from being bound to God?